We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Do you have that kind of hope this morning? A heavenly hope, the only hope. Is it a peculiar hope? Do others look at you and think you're strange? We have an everlasting hope. It's our living hope. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. First Peter is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be talking on the subject of hope, and our title this morning is Living Hope. Living Hope. Hope. In the weeks that followed the uh, 9-11 tragedy there in New York, hundreds of workers converged there at Ground Zero to begin the cleanup process and to, to dig through the rubble. And on one of those cold, lonely nights in October of 2001, a group of individuals were working and uh, they were led by a man named Ronaldo Vega. And that group, as they were digging through the rubble, found a little pear tree. It had been burned, it had been splintered, and it was nearly dead. It was laying on its side. But it was a glimmer of hope, living hope. And so they decided to take that little pear tree and they took it to the nursery there in the Bronx, the Arthur Ross nursery. But cleanup had to continue. And soon that little tree was forgotten by all those who found it. Fast forward six years to 2007, and as they were making plans for the memorial to be set up there at Ground Zero, they chose a man by the name of Ronaldo Vega to be the director of the design for that national September 11th memorial. In working on the design for that memorial, Vega happened to remember one day about that little pear tree that they'd found six years prior, and he wondered, what happened to it? Did it make it or not? So he traveled to the Bronx to the, to the Arthur Ross nursery. And sure enough, when he walked in there, right inside the gate, there was that little pear tree. The signs, the visible scars of 9-11 were still there in the bark of that tree. But it was thriving. And Mr. Vega knew at that point that that tree had to make it back to the memorial plaza. He had to make plans and preparations to move that tree there. But before they could get it moved... One of those strong nor'easters came through in March of 2010 and it blew the tree out, uprooted the tree in March. So they hurriedly, the team hurriedly gathered the tree back up and tried to mitigate the damage. And they prayed and they waited, hoping that it would make it. Sure enough, April of 2010, that tree came out with the most beautiful white blossoms more than they had ever had before in that tree, more than they would ever seen. And it was a thriving tree again. So in December of 2010, they had the tree moved to Memorial Plaza. Once they opened that, that memorial in uh, 2011, which was the 10-year anniversary, since that time, millions of people have walked by that tree. They call it the survivor tree. It's a symbol of living hope from all those years before. 
in the midst of so much tragedy. We're going to be talking about the subject of living hope this morning that Peter mentions in 1 Peter here. We're going to talk about four things that we need to learn about our living hope that Peter talks about here. So let's read together. Starting there in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, as we talk about our living hope, as you mentioned there for us in your word, Lord, help us to glean from your, your word the truths that we need to hear and we need to take with us and apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So just what is hope? The definition gives its, the dictionary gives its definition of hope. It can be a noun. Dictionary says hope can be a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. We think of hope as a noun. We might say, well, my hope is that it's going to rain this week. My hope is that I'll get, have a good lunch today. It's using it as a noun. But it can also be used as a verb. Dictionary says that hope, the definition of hope is a verb says to want something to happen or to be the case, you could say, well, I hope the preacher doesn't preach too long today. <laughs> There's almost an underlying negative thought there, an underlying negative tone in that type of hope, almost expecting the opposite of what you want to happen to be the case. It's an undertone of failure in that kind of hope. But the hope that the Bible talks about has no undertone of failure. It's a sure hope. It's not a maybe-so, hope-so kind of hope. It's a no-so kind of hope with 100% certainty. The Apostle John wrote in, uh, in 1 John 5 and verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the word hope is used in the New Testament some 52 times. That's enough hope for every week of the year. So what about this biblical hope? What about this living hope that Peter talks about? Makes it unique. I think there are four things, and I want to use the four letters of that word hope to, to illuminate those four truths that God has for us in his word about the hope that we have, the living hope. The first thing I want you to notice, the first letter of that word hope is the letter H. Our living hope is a heavenly hope. It's a heavenly hope. You and I... As children of the living God have a heavenly hope. All throughout scripture we're told that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our home is in heaven. John 14, Jesus was talking about that. 
In the first three verses, Jesus was speaking. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And watch this. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And in the passage we just read, talking about uh, living hope and, and, and seeing that it's a heavenly hope, First Peter uh, the, the first uh, verse three and four there it says praise be to God father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade watch this kept where in heaven for you see it's a heavenly hope our inheritance our inheritance is kept in heaven in Ephesians 2 Paul was talking about the the, the fact that when we come to Christ, we're made alive by grace through faith. And he says in verse 6 there, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. You see, our home is in heaven. It's a heavenly hope. We're seated there with Him. And in the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says there in verse 22 through 24, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled Blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. When a man or woman, boy or girl comes to Christ, it says in that passage that our names are written in heaven. And in Ephesians it says our seed is there with Christ. So that's an awesome thought to think about. There's a seed in heaven with our name on it. Our names are written there and there's a seat for us there because it's a heavenly hope. But not only that, not only is our living hope a heavenly hope, the second thing I want you to see it's our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. The psalmist asked the question in Psalm 39 and verse 7. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 39. Another psalm for you. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 2. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock. And my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. See, He's our only hope. In John 14, we mentioned this, I think, in Sunday school this morning. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Because He's our only hope. There were two boys playing in the snow, and they decided they were going to see which one could cut a straight line to a tree. So they tore off through the snow and one boy had his eye right on the tree the whole time and he had a, he just made a straight straight shot. The other boy kept looking behind him as he was walking to make sure that he was leaving tracks. And when they got there and turned around and looked, one path was straight and the other was like this. The boy said, how'd you get such a straight path? The boy said, I, I focused on the only thing I needed to focus on. That tree right ahead. And that's the way our lives need to be. We need to focus on Jesus because He's our only hope. He makes our path straight, the Bible says. We need to fix our eyes on Him. We sing that song, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we sing, In Christ alone my hope is found. 
Because he's our only hope. Not only is our living hope a heavenly hope, and not only is it our only hope, but the third thing is a peculiar hope. The world thinks it's strange. The world doesn't understand it. The dictionary defies, defines the word peculiar in this manner. Strange, odd, uncommon. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 in the King James Version it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Living the life of a Christian seems foreign to those that don't know Christ. They think that it's strange or odd, peculiar. I'm glad they do. Because we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to live different lives. Have you ever made decisions in your life where others looked at you and thought, man, you're crazy. I know I have. I remember in college one time I was trying to get closer to God. And there was a party that I could have gone to. But I chose instead to go to the little old style tent revival they were having there in the county. And I remember when I got home from that tent revival, I had a message on my answer machine. Hey, buddy, you missed the party and you just missed it. And I'm thinking, no, you missed it. Now, I didn't always live right. I didn't always go to the tent revival when they had it. But I did that one time. I made that choice and people thought it strange that I would forego that party to go to a tent revival. We need to be peculiar people, different. We need to stand out. 1 Peter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the message of the Christ being foolishness to those who don't believe. The unbelieving world looks at us and thinks we're a peculiar people, thinks we have a peculiar hope, because it is. It's one of a kind, because Jesus is one of a kind. Alfred Ackley, we've talked about this before. He's the man that wrote a song that we sing a lot. But he was witnessing to a young Jewish man. And the man said, I just don't understand why you're telling me I need to worship a dead Jew. And Ackley took his pen and a piece of paper. And he wrote, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And that's peculiar to those who don't know Jesus. Our living hope is heavenly. It's our only hope. It's a peculiar hope. And the last thing, it's an everlasting hope. Everlasting. Remember that nothing God ever promises fails. Nothing. Anything God ever says comes to fruition. It comes to be. And God has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. Because he's an everlasting God. With an everlasting hope. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6 verses 16 through 20. It says, men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what, his prom what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did, did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. 
He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's an everlasting hope from an everlasting Savior. Whoever lives to intercede for us. It's everlasting. In that passage from 1 Peter we read earlier. It says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. It's everlasting, you see. And then the last passage I'll mention for you, 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us, even eternal life. That's everlasting. It's an everlasting hope. Priscilla Owens penned one of the greatest hymns of all time. And we sang a little bit of it. I think mentioned it earlier. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Do you have that kind of hope this morning? A heavenly hope, the only hope in Jesus Christ. Is it a peculiar hope? Do others look at you and think you're strange? We have an everlasting hope. It's our living hope. And because of the blood of Jesus applied to our lives, washes away our sins, We can stand just like that pear tree in the Memorial Plaza as a living hope. Robed in white, the righteousness of Jesus, just like that pear tree comes out every spring with those white blossoms to remind people of the living hope that is only found in Him. If you don't know Him this morning, He beckons you to come to Him. The altar is always, is always open. There's some other need in your life this morning or in your heart laid at His feet. Come to Him by faith. In Jesus' name, let's let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for the living hope that you give us, Lord, that it's a heavenly hope and that it's our only hope. Father, we know that people think it's strange and we have a peculiar hope as we do, Lord, but we, we trust in you and we know that that hope is everlasting. Father, help us to stand as a testament to you so that others may see you in us, living within, within our hearts, may be drawn to you, Lord. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.